how should people approach God? Well, he has said that first, it is necessary to believe that God is. And second, those who diligently are seeking him, he becomes the rewarder of those people. So that begs two questions. First of all, who is God? Well, we could be here all day, but at least three things. He's the eternal creator. He is the king of all that he has created. And he is the redeemer of broken humanity who reconciles people to him in his son. And that leads us to the second question. Who are those who are diligently seeking him? Well, it is any and all people who desire to know him better every day. How is this done first? They hang out in the Bible every day by reading it slowly, prayerfully, and in gratitude and love to God in Jesus. And secondly, they talk to him heart to heart, even as their day is enfolding. And a little image that I learned in one of my theology courses, we could say that they treat God as a wise aunt or uncle that everyone wants to be around continuously every moment of every day because, as you know, our aunts and uncles can be more generous to us than our parents. And more than all of this... They are the people who believe that all things are possible with God. And I did a little word search on this phrase. We're going through Mark's gospel right now. And we won't cover all the chapters, but that phrase, all things are possible with God, is three times in Mark's gospel. I think that's pretty cool. So in our portion from Mark's gospel this morning... We meet a father whose young daughter is near death, who believes that Jesus can heal her so that she will live. And along the way, we meet a devastated, devastated and unclean woman who has lost everything in life because of her continual bleeding every minute of every day for 12 years. But she believed if she could just touch him, not him, even his garments, she would be made whole by him. And then in David's psalm, we're reminded, it reminds us of a humility of both attitude and ambition That is the way we can always have hope in God, no matter what is happening. So let's now look much closer at our scripture for this morning. In order to know God and his ways better so that he may change our hearts and our way of living. 
So um, this is just a classic structure to the portion of Mark's gospel. Um, it's been called Abba, A-B-B-A. In the first part, we meet this girl through her father, and we also are introduced to the woman and her problems. And in the second part, in reverse order, we see how Jesus ministers to the woman and then to the father and the daughter and their family. So it's two acts, two scenes. First scene, the girl's father asks Jesus to put his hands on her so she may be healed and live. So now let's go through it verse by verse. Jesus again crossed over in a ship, and many people gathered to him, being near the sea. So we had been in Decapolis, which is non-Israelites, it's just the various nations that were not Jewish. Now he's crossed back over to the western shore of Galilee, and he's back with the Israelites. Now, one of the synagogue rulers came to him by name, and I've been reading a book that only uses the Hebrew transliterations of the name. Now, unfortunately, this is a Greek thing of it, so I'm going to just call him Yairo, which means Yahweh has enlightened. In fact, the, the word ro is just a variation on the word for light, o, or. So he comes Having seen him, Jesus, he is falling at his feet. Now, he is a priestly Levite, and he's not like so many of the scribes and Pharisees that hated Jesus. I think he really, you can see, he really believed in his heart that Jesus is Messiah. And so he worships Jesus with his face at Jesus' feet. That's what proskuneo means, to prostrate ourselves before God. And he's requesting him greatly. The young daughter of me is near death. So coming, may thou lay thy hands on her. He doesn't say thy hands, he just says hands. Lay hands on her that she may be healed and live. Now, it doesn't say like dying or near death figuratively and literally it says her final days she is having. In other words, you can just number her days. Life is slipping away. Okay. Now this, um, but similar, similar to the leper we saw a few weeks ago. Remember he had faith that Jesus is able to heal her and give her life. So let's just get right down to it now about faith. I I think too many Christians in this country don't have the right kind of faith. I know I don't have enough faith. We must be careful that we do not put any limits on what God can do. But at the same time, this needs to be balanced. Like the father says that she may be healed, and the leper says, I know you can heal me if you are willing. So we must also realize that even when we're requesting the deepest desires of, of, of our heart, in the spirit of these men, we must do it, that we don't demand or force Jesus to do it, but we believe that he can and we hope that he will. More on hope later. So Jesus went with Yaira, and many people were following and thronging him 
So by following this synagogue ruler, Jesus is absolutely implying he's willing to heal the young daughter. But now we come to the second scene, which interrupts on the heels of the first. As they're going, a devastated woman hears about Jesus, believes that if she touches him, even his clothing, she will be made whole. So we're told a woman being with severe bleeding 12 years, having suffered much under many physicians, having spent all, having spent all, nothing having been useful, but rather worse coming, worse coming to her. She's worse off than she's ever been in her life. She had experienced increasing suffering. And because this bleeding made her unclean, she could not even go to synagogue to worship God. We must really understand that devastating aspect of it. She was excluded from God's people and presence by God's people and the law. Having heard about Jesus and having come into the people behind, behind him, she touched his garment. For she was saying, she'd been saying this the whole time. She's working her way through the crowd to get near to him. If I may touch even his garments, I will be made whole. She had been hearing testimonies of Jesus healing miracles. In fact, I, I, I thought of this for the first time this week. She may have even met this leper who had formerly been unclean. And he may have given her hope. Jesus can cleanse anybody. The important thing here is faith. This is the kind of faith God looks for. Through what she had heard, she had faith that he can heal her. Faith comes by hearing about God in his son. And you can find that in Romans and John's gospel. At once, at once, at once it was dried up, the fountain of her blood. And she knew in her body she had been healed of the disease and in plague is a good translation imagine this she was healed at once jesus stopped a 12 year flow of blood in an instant by faith jesus heals now second act the woman's healed and jesus commends her faith now the girl dies and Jesus asked the father to believe him. And then from David, and I think this ties everything together. We'll get there soon. Those with childlike humility and trust, they may have hope. So Mark continues at once. Jesus having known in himself power from him, having gone out, having been turned back in the people, he was saying, who touched my garments? See, even in a human body, Jesus is aware um, of what happens around him. So he asked, why? Why? Or who? I'm sorry. Who did this? Now his disciples were saying to them, thou art seeing the people thronging thee, and thou art saying, who touched me? 
they're saying that with so many people, even Jesus in his body cannot see who's behind him. And he was looking around. This took some time. That's the tense of the verb. He was looking around to see her. Her. It's gender specific. This having done. So here's the neat thing about Jesus. While the disciples are talking to him, Jesus is looking for the woman. And he knew power had stopped. I think even so much a woman's flow of blood. But which women? She wasn't the only woman in the crowd. So we're told the woman, fearing and trembling, had known what had become in her. And she came, she fell down before him, and she told him all the truth. I love this phrase, fear and trembling. It's kind of in that song, Just As I Am. She's experiencing the fear and trembling toward God expressed in the Messianic second psalm. And you can also see that again in Philippians in two of my favorite verses. So she tells them the full truth. It just flows out of her. But he said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thou must be going in peace, and thou must be whole from thy disease. So he addresses her as her daughter. What compassion, what love. And then he says her faith in him as Messiah made her whole, in fact, fully saved. The word is for salvation, which like shalom, it means total salvation. By faith, Jesus heals. And he commands her to go in peace. Not a hard command, right? We think, we hope. And also to continue in his gracious wholeness. But how many times do we let ourselves get upset by things, right? But... But by faith, Jesus heals again. Okay, the last scene is the longest, and it's kind of difficult. After the girl dies, Jesus tells her father to believe in him, and then he raises her from death. So while he's still speaking to this woman that he very graciously and miraculously healed, they're coming from the synagogue ruler saying, Thy daughter has died. Why still thou art troubling the teacher, the didaskalos? So Jesus hadn't quite finished his conversation with the healed woman when men from Yarias' house, they tell him, look, his daughter's dead, so stop troubling. Stop troubling the teacher in his mission. He's got better things to do. She's dead. But Jesus, having overheard the word being spoken, is saying to the synagogue ruler, thou must not be afraid. Only thou must be believing. There's a great song, only believe all things are possible. So, Having sent the woman off, Jesus could still overhear about these men that Yeria had been sending about his daughter. 
So now he turns to the synagogue ruler and he first commands him not to fear, not to fear even the death of his daughter. And then he commanded him to have faith that he could bring her back to life. He must have faith for life, the same faith for life this woman had for healing, that healing that had just happened. You see, by faith, Jesus heals and even raises the dead. And just one thing I want to add here, the greatest resurrection from the dead is when our dead spirits are resurrected and come to life in Jesus. Well, not he allowed no man to accompany him except, and I'm going to use the Greek and the Hebrew ones again, Patras, Yaakov, meaning heel holder, and Yohanan, meaning Yahweh is gracious, his brother. This is the inner circle in English. It's Peter, James, and John. He did not allow a single person from this crowd to accompany him on his mission or even the other nine apostles. He only permitted his inner circle of three. And they're coming into the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And he is considering the confusion, those weeping and those loudly wailing much. Now, I'm going to put a little bit of a different spin on it uh, this morning, I think. I believe that Jesus considered this traditional mourning ritual with people who I think they had some kind of calling to help mourning families. He's seeing it. Humanly as a confusion, but I think as God, he's seeing it as more than that. I believe he is feeling the pain of the death of one who is so young. So we're told, having entered the house, he's saying to them, why you all are being stirred up and you all are weeping. The child is not dead but she is sleeping, sleeping. He declares one truth in two ways, not dead, just sleeping. And then we're told the worst of human responses of all, simply one sentence, they're laughing him to scorn. Their derisive and scornful laughter at Jesus, I believe they meant it as a gut punch to him. But here's the bottom line. The ways of the covenant God, the Trinity God, and Jesus is the second person, they are higher, higher than human ways. So having sent out all, he's taking the father of the child and the mother and them with him, and he is entering where the child was being laid. So, Only the two parents and the three apostles, five people are with Jesus and the dead child. That makes seven people all together, but one is more than a person. So having taken the hand of the child, he's saying to her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, girl to thee, I am saying thou must be rising. Now that's a whole lot of words in English. Mark gave the Aramaic, but I know Hebrew well enough to know that it has a meaning in Hebrew, and I think it's equivalent. Basically, what he's saying is, girl, 
Thou must be rising of me. You see, it's all about Jesus. She can't rise on her own. Nobody can raise her. But of him and through him, she can be raised. And we're told at once the girl rose and she was walking for she was being of 12 years. And they were amazed out of mind at once with amazement great. So the faith of Yariah. Urias in Jesus led to his daughter's resurrection through Jesus. The woman had been unclean, notice, for her bleeding of 12 years, the whole life of this girl. It's, I don't think it's a coincidence. They both had the same number of years here. And as the woman was healed, now the synagogue ruler's girl is brought back to life. Let me again try to learn something from this. And um, I, I think that faith in Jesus requires us to have bold and strong action on our part as believers. And I know I haven't been bold enough. I haven't been strong enough. But let us have the boldness to approach Jesus in the faith of both this synagogue ruler and the unclean woman. Because by faith, Jesus heals and raises the dead. And think of how many people have dead spirits that are just waiting to hear from us about Jesus. And then we're told they were amazed out of their mind. When others saw the dead girl alive and walking, literally their minds were blown. They were astonished. The word ecstasis means outside standing. When God does a great miracle and we are privileged to see it, we really feel like we're standing outside of ourselves. It's a very special moment. So what kind of faith do we have? Let it be as the leper and Urias, because you see, here's the thing and here's the dilemma. Miracles are miracles because they don't happen to everybody all the time. Okay? They both believe Jesus can do all things, but they also realized he may not always be willing to do what we're asking him, and that is the pain of this life. But in any event, they both received grace and we will all receive grace to carry on if we just keep believing. And then he commanded them much that no one may experientially know this. They couldn't tell anybody. And he said, should be given to her to eat. Now, again, before his time, Jesus didn't want things to get out of control. So they could not let the news of a person being resurrected go everywhere at this time. It's too early. But he was concerned that the girl be given nourishment, her daily bread. We all need to get through the day with what God gives us. And now let's go back and look at the psalm because I think it pulls it together and makes sense of things because David declares his childlike quietness before the covenant God and then commands Israel to always hope, 
hope in Yahweh, even when there's no reason. So we're going to look at it line by line. And I think the title is very important. It's a song of ascents given to David. And he says, Yahweh, not has been exalted my heart, not has been lifted up my eyes. And not I have walked in great, and it's implied by all translator matters here, okay? And in being marvelous from me. I don't concern myself with great things. I'm not great. I don't concern myself with your wonder in everything. I am appreciative for it. So first, he's talking about rather than exalting or lifting himself up, he's seeking to be humble and lowly. And then he's saying, let God be God. Only God does great things. Only God is marvelous or wonderful. David is saying he will not attempt to be like God. He won't commit the sin that Adam and Eve committed when they wanted to be like God. Um, You see, David truly was a man after God's heart. He would take whatever God gave him, nothing more, nothing less. He'd be grateful and humble. And then he says, surely I have smoothed or, or leveled out and I have quieted my soul as a weaned child by his mother. A weaned child by me is my soul. A weaned child. He's talking about contentment here. A weaned child can walk and eat on its own, but that child is still dependent on its mother to provide food, shelter, and security. And here's the line that brings it all together. Thou must hope, Yisrael, in Yahweh from this time and until eternity. Now, I believe this command is conditioned on what preceded it. In order to maintain our hope in Yahweh, Israel, we, like David, need to be contended with our dependency on Yahweh, desiring to always have a heart after him. So, um, bottom line, last application. We must ask God for the heart of a child to receive humility so we will have hope even when everything seems to be falling apart. Think about the father of a dying young girl. What could be worse than that? Well, maybe a woman who had lost everything because of 12 years of continuous bleeding. But God's children live in humility of hope, in the humility of hope, humble hope. So let me wrap this all up. A father trusting Jesus to heal his dying daughter in faith requests Jesus to do so. And as Jesus goes to her, an unclean woman outcast due to 12 years of bleeding, in faith touches Jesus to be made whole. But she must confess her acts to him. He says her faith in him has made her well and he blesses her with peace. Meanwhile, the girl dies and Jesus commands faith before he raises her back to life to the astonishment of all. 
Now, despite these miracles, which don't happen every day and we may never experience them, humble, childlike quietness before Yahweh will give to us hope in him, hope no matter what happens. By faith, Jesus heals and raises the dead. And remember, our final healing is not until we die and go to be with Jesus. Okay? And raising from the dead, I think, means every bit as much spiritual as physical resurrection.